Hello and welcome to Manageable Conversations, the podcast where we speak to leaders across industry sectors. In each episode, we'll discover what helped them in their career, how they stay sharp, and ways they get the best out of their teams. I'm Farley Thomas, the founder of Manageable. We hope this podcast inspires you to be a great leader by learning from others. When you look at my team today, I also have another demand is they have to be entrepreneurs themselves and uh, hunter gatherer. They need to not expect me to do things for them, but they need to learn to be their own owners, uh, you know, like mini company owners, because the only way they can, I think, themselves succeed in the long term, whether they work with me or for somebody else in the future. That's Sabine van der Linden, co-founder and CEO of Alchemy Crew. In this episode, Sabine shares tips on being focused and how she industrializes her learning. She also tells us what makes a brilliant team and the kind of role model she is for her own team. Sabine, thank you so much for joining this manageable conversation. Um, To kick off, I wonder if you could say a few words about what you do, uh, a little bit about who you are. Uh, Sure, Farley. So I run Alchemy Crew, which is a venture lab. That means that I work not only with great ventures, so startups, scale-up, grown-ups, but also with great corporate insurers, uh, great companies, established companies, which are aiming to become a little bit more innovative, I would say by collaborating with younger ventures. So my motto is why build when you can partner? And I also have the fortunate position to be working with uh, investors as well. So I work with those three groups of stakeholders, startups, corporates and investors. And that allows me to to learn a lot about how we are going to disrupt ourselves, I guess, in the years to come. It's a fantastic um, position, Sabine, which makes me think that you've got a a very unusual or even unique vantage point, you know, almost sort of the bridge between quite different uh, segments of the economy. What's the challenge there for you? I guess my main vantage point and my reflection around being in that position is focus. I think whilst uh, it's great to work with great big companies and enabling them to find the smaller, nimbler uh, speedboats uh, with which they could collaborate, and then enabling the speedboats to identify the investment partners which can allow them to scale, I think we all need to know that one needs to focus. So. You will see that I will not try to pull the ocean. I will focus on uh, quite a few topics which I'm interested in, but not everything. What tips would you have for others struggling to find the focus that you clearly have? It, I would say take time, right? Because we all are, um, during the past few months, have had to to look at what we do and we have had to be, I had to be very uh, shrewd around where I spend my time and the meetings I'm having and the meetings I will not have. 
So um, I think we, we need all to become a little bit more selfish. But the, the way I look at it is first, you know, this term that everybody uses, strategy. And I would say is spending some time defining goals, objectives, aligning metrics to actually really understand what one's value, what are our strengths and what we, we value, so that we can actually not only focus on what we like, but also have fun at doing it. I think for me, the second pillar would be around um, being surrounded by um, the right team, by having the people who can challenge you and also align to your focus and a strategy, you can actually yield uh, greater, better outcomes. So it's a little bit about outsourcing some aspect of what you do to the right people. And then it's probably around, uh, I will use some terms like industrialization, democratization, and monetization, meaning you need to define the processes and the techniques which are replicable so that you can do what you do best and accelerate your growth, personal growth, in, uh, in, in, in the right way. So, you know, I was for a long time, um, I guess, a strategy consultant, and then I moved into more senior roles where I've had to find ways to learn and uh, share what I, I learned uh, with uh, a lot of people. So you have to, to start industrializing your learning to allow other people to do it better than you do and feedback into your loop. And then as I gradually became, I guess, uh, a senior leader within organizations, I've had to find ways to monetize my learnings um, so that I can actually, you know, scale and make money in the right ways. <laughs> mm, I love this idea of industrializing your learning. You know, you talked about one way of having focus as being surrounded by the right kind of team. What sort of features would you look for in a kind of, in a brilliant team? What would that team need to look like, feel like, be like? So be like, I guess, diverse. <laughs> so one thing that I've learned uh, during my, I guess, probably my past five years, uh, starting working with uh, scale-ups and startups and, and grown-ups, uh, companies and ventures, is that we are in a world that requires a lot of diversity of thought. And the only way you can actually drive that diversity is through, of thought, is through people who are diverse themselves. There is a, a great quote from Brian Chesky that, uh, from Airbnb, where he, he shares that when he, he built a business, they were not diverse, and therefore they only were able to sell to a very specific customer segment. And when they recognize that um, their buyers may be Asian, may be uh, women, may be uh, from variety of diversity groups, they actually recruited the people in their teams which empathize with um, those different segments and were able to attract and build Airbnb to what it is today. So one aspect is feeling the diversity but also when I, I look at my team, I can be quite demanding around the values and the beliefs of the business. It's not just words on paper. So I, I recruit people who believe in my level of integrity uh, because as you know, I'm, I'm very loud on social media 
and my point of view need to be aligned with my beliefs. And so integrity becomes very important, not only for me, but for the business and for the people I work with and authenticity. So I don't have a problem being vulnerable. I don't have a problem, you know, being told that I'm wrong. I'm curious how you've reacted to what Sabine has just said. I don't have a problem being wrong. What about you? How do you feel about being wrong? If like Sabine, you're okay with vulnerability and being wrong, you're probably leading a team that feels psychologically safe. And teams that feel this way perform the best and are the most engaged. When the leader can admit being wrong and doesn't crush others for every mistake, it encourages a problem-solving rather than a blame-allocating culture. I think it's part of me being authentic around uh, the way I want to work with businesses and I want to make them feel and feel inspired around what they can achieve themselves. When you look at my team today, I also have another demand is they have to be entrepreneurs themselves and uh, hunter-gatherer. They need to not expect me to do things for them, but they need to learn to be their own owners, uh, you know, like mini company owners, because the only way they can, I think, themselves succeed in the long term, whether they work with me or for somebody else in the future. What sort of role model do you believe you represent for either the teams you are currently surrounded by or the teams you've led uh, before? It's an interesting question, actually, Folly. Um, what I would say is being open that um, if we want to grow amazing people, we need to listen to their needs and be there for them when they are here in the company, but when they want to move to another company. And I've seen that so many times where sometimes colleagues feel uncomfortable or scared to, to leave a great company for which they have worked with. But as part of their path for growth, they need different experiences. And I think it's very important to, to feel humbled and, and great to have worked with great people, but giving them the ability to, to go and learn somewhere else is as important. I think the second point for me is um, because I work in a very male-dominated industry, which I respect enormously, I've been working in finance and insurance now for 25 years, uh, what I've seen is uh, an industry which evolved and now is probably more able to welcome uh, diversity in gender, you know, LGBTQ+, and uh, also recognizing this is important for them to fulfill the need of their own customers. So I would say my um, second point would be to be humble enough, I guess, to appreciate that there is change but also strong enough to have decided that I needed to do my own thing to help my industry grow and become more aware of its weaknesses. As a leader, as a CEO, and, and actually now that you've highlighted it as a relatively, uh, as a representative of a growing but still small demographic within your industry, 
you know, what, what gives you strength? What's, what keeps you sharp? What helps you be resilient when there is inevitable pressure? The way I remain sharp is that I spend my time reading and writing. <laughs> so I do read a lot of business books and I tend to walk. My husband always said to me, you're walking with your mobile phone all the time because I tend to, to write in the notes of my mobile phone what I've learned from my reading. So it takes me probably longer to write books because I spend a lot of time writing notes. So there is this um, process of continuous education and learning from others, ideas, thought concepts, which I can bring into an industry which, which needs to change. So remaining sharp for me is reading, learning continuously, capturing thought from and being inspired from great people who are there, which not only teaches me um, the business, the future of business and the way they look at it, but also the way that we engage and communicate with um, our audiences. And then resilience. I think resilience comes from learning that the business models of the future is not about working in a siloed way. One of the key criteria I try to apply to myself and to the people I work with is one concept called ecosystem building, which is working with other people to become smarter, better, faster. And then partnership and collaboration. As highlighted, I often say, why build when you can partner? which entail that one needs to really understand how to find the best partners which are there to cut on activities which are redundant and grow a business better and faster. If you were asked by someone much earlier in their career for some tips, what lessons have you learned or what tips might you give? The tip I would give someone who want to build their own path is the path is not straight. It's actually convoluted and you don't always see where you're going at the earlier stage of your career. And then at some point or another, when you look at all the things which it's been done or you've done, you realize, Eureka moment, I now know what I stand for. And that, that occur at some point or another when you actually have a reflection around your great past, the great achievements and where you may want to go. I think it's very important to go through that reflection and take on all those great achievements and then pose and set the path for the future. That's fantastic, Sabine. Thank you very much for, for joining us today and giving us some of your precious time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this manageable conversation, there are many other perspectives we offer our community of managers worldwide who coach, and individuals from all walks of life who benefit from being coached. That's all from me. I'm Farley Thomas. Until next time.